parents around the country this week will be frantically digging out uniforms, getting back into the routine of packed lunches and school drop-offs with the start of the school year. Hallelujah. But when uh, they get back to the classroom, many children won't be getting the best education they could. And the reason is simple. There's a significant shortage of teachers in this country. In New South Wales alone, the Department of Education estimates 10,000 classes a day miss out on adequate educational support in our public schools. The Education Minister, Jason Clare, has described it as a crisis. It's a crisis. We don't have enough teachers in Australia. Uh, that's just the truth of it. This is the most important job in the world. We don't have enough, both not enough young people going to university to want to become a teacher and too many people leaving the profession. This is something that's 10 years in the making and it's going to take us some time to fix. I want to know what you think here. Are you worried by the standard of teaching your kids are getting and will get in this academic school year? Uh, what are they telling you about their teachers over the last one? And for teachers, burnt out, fed up, underpaid, perhaps underappreciated, are those terms accurate here? Are you considering a career change yourself if you work in education as a teacher? Talk to me on the text line now, 0418 Your views are just the ones we need in this discussion, 0418 I've got Joe Lampert, a professor in the School of Education at Monash University, Dr. Paul Kidson, a former high school principal and senior lecturer at the Australian Catholic University, and Amelia Hawkins, a former teacher who recently quit teaching full-time. Welcome to you all. Hi, Andy. Great to be with you again, Andy. Let's start with you, Amelia. You were a teacher for more than, what, a decade, including a department head. Why did you leave? Yeah, just short of, yes. Why did I leave? Um, I guess for me it came down to a process over, it was a very long period of time whereby I was sort of increasingly pulled away from the moral ideals associated with teaching and sort of into this growing culture of, I guess, standardisation and target chasing. And for me, that no longer boded well with me. And that was not least because it took me such a long time to realise that that was my reality too. Um, Very challenging times, I think. You were teaching in Victoria. Is there anything unique to the teaching profession in that state that pushed you over the line? I think the state of Victoria, I think there's an increasing removal of agency and autonomy in Victoria's teachers' works. There's sort of a standard um, group of evidence-based strategies that we are encouraged to use, possibly to the detriment of other evidence-based strategies that are available. And it's, I feel, possibly taking sort of the creativity and the intellectual pursuit out of teaching. Okay, so there's this sort of top-down approach which, uh, at least for you in your career, robbed us of its creativity. Joe uh, Lampert, Professor in the School of Education at Monash, you've looked into what it is that pushes people to leave teaching. I wonder how representational Amelia's experiences are and, and what other things you've heard. Yeah, it's pretty representational. The truth is a lot, some schools have been hard to staff for a very long time, remote rural schools, uh, schools in low SES 
areas. The difference now, I think, is the magnitude of the problem, which is actually something we haven't previously seen, just the extent of the teaching shortages. And I think there's a lot of research on this. A lot of teachers are speaking up and talking about unmanageable workloads, um, a yeah, loss of autonomy, um, inflexibility of work post-COVID when they see their partners, for instance, able to work from home, um, you know, difficulty of finding housing or cost of living in certain areas, job satisfaction, definitely well-being and mental health, um, deprofessionalization, and also issues around, you know, not feeling as safe as they once did, um, um, behavior issues, relationships with families. Um, so a whole host of things and a complex array of factors. Uh, Dr. Paul Kidson, uh, you've worked as both a principal and have studied this issue as an academic surveying principals in schools. Um, we know that school leaders are also struggling managing both the shortages and also perhaps complaints uh, or input from parents. Why Why is this? I mean, presumably that principals earn more than teachers. Why is their job satisfaction also diminishing? Uh, look, I think both Amelia and Joe speak uh, so eloquently to the complexity of the issues. I'd underscore that this is a, a slow train that's been coming for a long period of time. You know, there are not uh, any studies out there that have uh, realised, my goodness, in the last couple of years, this has come out of nowhere. Uh, our own work has been saying some of these things since 2014. I think one of the challenges that is here is that finally we're starting to get, uh, at, at a policy level, at a, at a system level, some acknowledgement of the gravity and the urgency of it, because it's hard to ignore. It's it's impossible now uh, to ignore. Uh, and, and let's give credit where it is due. We're starting to see some action, but it's going to take a while to turn this around. Uh, one of the issues that, again, I think Jo's highlighted in her reflection is that the um, parents and, and caregivers generally, you know, they're pretty supportive. They, they generally want good things for their kids. But when things start the way that they want, they take some incre increasingly strident uh, approaches to both teachers and to school leaders. And that undermines the very commitment that our national goals are saying that everybody's got a part to play in making a positive and successful learning environment, both the school and the home. And I think we've seen evidence that that's under a bit more duress than any of us would like. It's 22 past four on RN Drive. Our panel today is discussing the significant teacher shortage uh, right across Australia as the school year, uh, certainly in New South Wales at least, begins uh, this week in earnest. What is this conversation missing? Uh, if you've got some input, uh, some lived experience, share it with me, 0418 Plenty of people echoing exactly the sentiments uh, that we've heard. Uh, this one says, I decided to do a dip ed so I could teach maths and science after years in academia and in the workforce. The Department of Education was so unhelpful and unsupportive, I gave up. I'm not sure which state or territory that uh, uh, refers to. Uh, so something that Paul touched on, the kids are, are out, of, out, out of the teacher's control because parents do not respect teachers. Parents, the ball's in your court, says this one. Also this, I'm a secondary teacher and I, I, I would love and actively looking for a career change. I, I don't know any teachers who would tell a senior student to think about becoming a teacher. I, I would actively encourage them into something else. I'm burnt out. 
I have an ongoing psychological injury and struggle to balance professional life for my students and my own children who miss out on a parent sometimes. It's a shocking state of affairs. Tell me about your experience, 0418 I want to come back to you, Joe. The Australian Education Union survey of public school teachers recently found almost 40% of early career teachers were planning to leave the profession within a decade. I mean, there's a lot of focus at the moment from the government on getting new teachers into the classroom, but are we doing enough to retain the teachers we already have? I mean, these are the ones who have that wealth of experience over decades. Yeah, well, I think actually that's the number one question. An awful lot of effort at the moment is being put into supply and demand um, initiatives to attract, you know, the Be, the teacher, be That Teacher campaign, um, attempting to attract new teachers into the workforce. But unless we look at what's happening once they're in the workforce, then retention is going to continue to be a problem. So I think actually we need to focus much more of our efforts on, on retention. What's happening with the teachers who are staying in the system? What's their life like? What recommendations do they make? What can we do to keep those young, new graduates once they're in? I, I do think that's the question of the day. Attracting new teachers does have to be part of this, though, as well. I mean, Paul Kitson, the government's uh, state and federal are trying different techniques, including fast-tracking visas of teachers from overseas. And uh, in Victoria, there's this $230 million program to give free tertiary training to teachers. Is that... Uh, I mean, we're talking about 10,000 teachers uh, teachers in deficit. So is that going to even touch the size, these programs? Well, look, it'll do something to it, uh, Andy, but I think Amelia's uh, exemplary in this regard. You know, here is a passionate, enthusiastic, creative teacher who said, I'm being stifled out of this work. And the last thing that I think we want is to get people coming in believing that teaching is purely a technical uh, skill that, uh, as, as she referred to some of these, um, you know, best evidence practices, nobody's going to deny that there are some good strategies and some uh, outstanding support and resources that are around there. But in the end, uh, we're not, as the saying goes in our field, Andy, making widgets. We're dealing with human beings who have got a diversity of needs and experiences and they, they change rapidly. And so the willingness and the flexibility of a teacher to engage in that creative space um, Far better, surely, to complement those strategies with retaining people like Amelia to be able to do the great work that they've been doing for a decade or more. Speaking of motivation, and I'll come back to you, Amelia, here. In fact, I've just received a text message from one of your former colleagues, uh, Amelia, who says they're also gladly eyeing a career change. They say uh, for, for them it's due to an erosion of student behaviour due to a broader mm. lack of consequences in society. I mean, mm. these are obviously much, much bigger uh, issues rather than just uh, policy, if you like. But, but there's 300,000 teachers in our schools I think there's another 100,000 people who are registered to teach but aren't teaching right now. The uh, Education Minister, Jason Clare, wants to focus on uh, these people. As someone who's left the profession, would there be anything to bring you back? I mean, you talked about the barriers of, of maybe bureaucracy rather than creativity. Could, could any solution there tempt you back into the, the trade? Yeah, that's that's a challenging one. The, the initial reaction is... I don't think so. However, if there was a way to provide teachers with more sort of agency and freedom, I suppose, um, but again, that's a very sort of challenging way to see things um, because we do, 
rely on, I guess, the NAPLAN standards and the VCE results in Victoria, for example, and ATARs a lot uh, to show that a school is doing well, that it's hard to see all of those teachers who are doing wonderful and creative things and recognising those. So I think those creative pursuits would need to be sort of recognised a little more and a little bit more flexibility in it's okay if you don't do it just this one way because your students are still making learning growth. And it's quite dispiriting to hear of a former colleague saying that. And I think there are elements of after the COVID lockdowns in Victoria, you know, as teachers, people come into the classroom and they're doing a job that's not what they expected to do. They're having to be a mental health advocate for young people around these behavioural concerns. And there's often not a mental health practitioner or a social worker in schools because they're facing their own shortages. So if we could get some more support on how to deal with young people and the challenging behaviours that are presenting themselves as a result of this psychosocial impact of COVID, perhaps, because at the end of the day, it is the young people that I love. Um, And I think it's very dispiriting when the thing that you love is not enough to keep you going. I can really hear, Amelia, how uh, much you, you miss the classroom in the sense of this was your passion, not just your profession and, you know, it'd be remiss of me just to talk about remuneration <laughs> rather than the, all the other parts that go into making the teaching profession rewarding. But, but Joe, just for a final thought, what, what do you think about that? I mean, do you think that money, is it all relevant here or is it something much, much more than that for teachers? Look, money is important, but it's actually never the top thing on the list of reasons why teachers are leaving in reality. It is important, of course it is, but it's not top. If I can, if I have two minutes to talk about the behaviour thing, though, um, just to kind of jump in and say that it's not that kids are rat bags, it's not that kids are worse today, you know, what's the matter with kids today? It's cumulative. So so, So if a child perhaps 15 years ago was dysregulated and, and, you know, um, acting up in class, you had someone to call or you knew that there would be support for you. But often now school leaders are themselves teaching classes and aren't at the end of the phone anymore. So um, the teaching shortages exacerbate what you can do about things like behavior, if that makes sense. A very good point. Uh, very good um, contributions from you all. Uh, I really appreciate all the different uh, sides to this debate that you bring. Uh, we're going to have to leave it there. Professor Joe Lampert is from the School of Education at Monash University. Dr. Paul Kidson, Senior Lecturer at the Australian Catholic University. And Amelia Hawkins, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you, Andy. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.